0: Amen. Amen. Kathy Caprino was writing for the Huffington Post a couple years ago and she did a survey asking this question. What are the top 10 things people want in life but can't seem to get? The top 10 things that people really want in life but can't seem somehow to achieve. The survey was conducted with about a thousand people Their answers, she said, were fascinating to read. I'll just give the top five answers. People said they want happiness. Not surprising. Money. Number two. Number three was freedom. Number four was peace. And number five was joy. She said, what was so intriguing to me is that it's becoming more and more obvious the things that human beings desperately long for today are the very same things that they've always longed for in the past. The longings seem to be universal and timeless. But maybe even more surprising is that they continue to be elusive and impossible to sustain, even as we evolve and develop in this tech frenzied, time-crunching world. In other words, with all the advances that we seem to be making and the gains in science and hopefully in society, it seems that people still want the same thing and they cannot get it. The one thing that jumps out of this study to me, because it is in our text this morning from Ephesians chapter 6, is this idea of peace. People want peace, but they can't seem to get it. Historians tell us that if you study the history of the world, there are very few years in which you will find no war going on somewhere. In fact, usually the globe is dominated by war, even as it is today, whether it's the war itself or the rumor of wars coming. I like what Lloyd Corey said, Peace is the brief, glorious moment in history when everyone stands around reloading. That's peace. But if you live in the midst of a crazy world in which there is no calm and no tranquility, what do you do? I think it was the Apollo 11 astronauts who landed on the moon And uh, they put a plaque on the moon that says, we have come in peace for all mankind. And they named the place where they landed the Sea of Tranquility. And it still is the place of tranquility today because there are no people there. (laughs) We ever populate the planet of the moon and it will be war-torn and filled with conflict that's just the nature of man but God offers us the thing that everyone is longing for peace peace wonderful peace coming down from the Father above well we're talking about spiritual warfare aren't we in Ephesians it is the last word that Paul wants to get in before he finishes his letter ...to the wonderful church in the city of Ephesus, a great metropolitan area. And as he's writing the letter, he's thinking, you know, we've said a lot of good things about unity... ...but now we need to emphasize the reality of spiritual warfare. He's been talking about the armor of God. And now we come in verse 15 to the third piece where the scripture tells us that our feet are to be fitted, or if you have the old authorized translation, your feet shod, with the gospel that brings peace. One translation puts it this way, that your feet would be fitted with the readiness that comes, the preparation that comes, the equipment that comes with the gospel of peace. It's like the Apostle Paul is a general. And he's giving out marching orders to his troops but giving them that last final motivational speech that will take them into the battle. Now I remind you when you look over these verses beginning with verse 10 down through verse 18 you'll see that the word stand is repeated over and over and over again. The goal is that we would stand, not necessarily go forward and gain ground and take it to the enemy, although there's a time for that. But here the picture is us standing against the attacks of the enemy and holding the ground that he is trying to take. And to do that, we need our feet shod. When I think of shodding feet, I think of a horse having his hooves shod and it simply means to have them fitted with footwear. That's exactly what he's talking about. And if you are called upon to stand, then your feet play a very vital role, significant and crucial, right? So that you can hold your ground. So let's look at this. First of all, to make it clear, the spiritual point that Paul wants to make, he gives us this physical illustration. And we've been talking about a Roman soldier. Here's a picture of a Roman soldier that might help us uh, to be reminded of the armor. We've talked about the belt of truth, which you cannot see, but a leather belt that would tie that red tunic uh, together. Sometimes the tunics were much longer than that. And then they could gird the tunic into the belt, tuck it in, so that they would be free to run and mobile. Then we talked about the breastplate of righteousness and that is that piece that covers the vital organs and it is front and back for the Roman soldier. By the way, this is probably a Greek soldier but they actually look about the same. (laughs) We're going to be talking about the helmet, we're going to be talking about the sword, we're going to be talking about the shield, but today we talk about the feet. Here's another picture of a Roman soldier. Looking at their sandals, their caliga, it is a Latin term simply referring to boots. And uh, because this is a a statue, I think in the Vatican, uh, taken from antiquity, it gives us, I think, a very good rendering of what the boots might have looked like. Here's another picture that shows the boots being leather. Uh, probably doubled leather on the soles. Having cleats, much like uh, a football player would wear cleats today. And yet the toes are left free. It's, the boot is tied to the ankles by straps. Sometimes uh, maybe even more ornamental. But uh, certainly useful in holding the boot tight. And so that's a, a bit of a picture of what we're talking about from Paul's day. And when he picks up the metaphor this is what he's thinking of. Now I think that there are a couple lessons we can learn from this. Uh, There is the idea of mobility and the idea of stability from these boots. Mobility in the sense that the footwear must not be a hindrance but allow the soldier to go forward not in a run these boots were not designed to run but they would sustain a soldier in the march mobility in the sense of being being able to go across the terrain and one of the important things when a soldier would be on the march was that the shoes double soled with leather would give him protection for there are many Traps in the ground, one of the most common traps in that day, would be to chisel the point on a piece of wood or sharp metal and hide it in the ground so that maybe it was just barely uh, poking above the ground, almost invisible, and these spikes would penetrate the soldier who was not wearing footwear. Uh, Later on in battle, the spikes will get bigger and they'll be used to protect Uh, places where an army may be entrenched. But so the soldier, to be mobile, also needed protection. Then this idea of stability. So if you are trying to hold your ground, you need to make sure that you're not going to slip or slide, that you have traction. Much combat in that day was hand-to-hand. In fact, if you go back to verse 12 of chapter 6, it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood for our struggle is not against flesh and blood that word is a word that means hand to hand combat in the sense of wrestling uh, with your opponent. So it's not lobbing uh, the, the mortars at a distance or even shooting arrows it is fighting hand to hand and to do that you need footwear that would give you stability. And so that's the idea that you'll have stability and traction. You'll be able to hold your ground and you will be able to fight. That's the picture. Now the Apostle Paul takes the common and applies it to the abstract or to the spiritual. So now we go from making it clear to making it dynamic. And by that I mean the the point of spiritual correlation. What is the spiritual equivalent? What is the lesson that Paul is trying to give us with this picture that is so well known? Well, the idea is that spiritual soldiers also need equipment on their feet if they are going to be mobile and if they are going to be stable. So think of those two concepts, mobility and stability in the spiritual sense. Now, like the other pieces of the armor, there is... The opportunity to be divided on the interpretation of what it means to have your feet fitted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We know what the gospel is and we know that the gospel produces peace. But what is this idea of preparation or fittedness? Well, some have the concept of mobility foremost in mind. And I think that's probably taken from the familiar verse of Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7. You know this verse. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, and who say to Zion, your God reigns. And so the idea here is the taking The gospel forth. And how beautiful are the feet of those who take forward the gospel of peace. On the move with the gospel. So it's a very missionary type setting. One man said this. Missionary work is like a pair of sandals that have been given to the church. In order that it should set out on the road. And keep going with the good news of the gospel." The idea of being mobile with the truth. In Romans chapter 10, this verse from Isaiah 52 is quoted in the context of sending out the gospel. Paul says, how can they preach unless they are sent? For it is written, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. So you certainly have this idea of taking the gospel forth. And I am all for that. Uh, the Scripture in Ephesians chapter two, we're going to see in a few moments, talks about preaching the gospel to those who are far away. And we are to be ready, instant, in season and out of season, right? Always ready to give an answer of the hope that lives within us. That's second cha- First Peter chapter three. 2 Timothy chapter three, uh, chapter four says, "Be instant in season." and out of season so there's a sense of readiness and that's the word that is often translated have your feet fitted with the readiness or the preparation of the gospel however I remind you of the context in which we're looking and that the goal is not to go forward but the goal is to what? Stand. So I would say that stability has a greater impact in this text than mobility. Not that you can't find places where the gospel is to be shared. That's not the point. But the point is we are trying to stop and stand against the devil's attacks. And so maybe this idea of readiness, which by the way is translated in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, foundation... Or firmness has the concept that our feet should be shod with the stability that the gospel gives us. So maybe it's more about us and the gospel than it is about them and the gospel. Please hear me clearly. I'm not saying we shouldn't share the gospel. But I'm saying if you want to fight the devil, you have got to be stabilized by the gospel that produces The New English Bible says, let the shoes on your feet be the gospel of peace to give you firm footing. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is concerned about. Now, I know many of you are going to say, I know the gospel. Let's go on to something else. (laughs) But the more I study the scriptures, the more I see that for the Christian, it's not going beyond the gospel. It's going deeper in the gospel. Let me say that again. For the Christian, it's not going beyond the gospel. It's going deeper in the gospel. You never leave the gospel. The gospel is the good news about Jesus dying for your sins. And that's what you and I need to embrace. But when we talk about the gospel that produces peace or the gospel of peace... What are we talking about? Well, I think really we need to see it at least from three different perspectives. First of all, notice the gospel for us. And when the gospel is for us, we have peace with God. That's the very first thing. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says that we are justified by faith and we have peace. Peace with God. This is the gospel with us, or peace with God. Turn to Romans 5.8 just for a moment. I was switching things in my slides, and they may be totally confused. So forget that for a moment. We're talking about peace with God, the gospel for us, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace what does it say with God peace with God this is connected with the doctrine of justification peace with God in other words the Bible tells us Isaiah 48 that with the wicked there is no peace God is not at peace with sinners he created mankind to have fellowship with him But we sinned and we rebelled and we broke away from the holy God of heaven. Thus introducing sin and the wages of sin is death. Thus incurring the just wrath of a holy God. Sinners are not at peace with God. And that's why Jesus came. He came to reconcile us to an offended God. And to remove what has broken the fellowship and to create peace with Almighty God. So that's why it says back in chapter 2 of Ephesians that he himself, verse 14, is our peace. He is the one who secures our peace with Almighty God. And so when we understand that we have the peace of God and when that peace holds hold of our heart and mind then we're able to fight. One of the most interesting things about the dynamics of warfare is that the soldiers fighting the battle need to have good morale. If they are defeated in their own hearts and spirits, they will not go forth with zeal and passion into the battle. So they've got to be convinced of the cause, and they've got to be motivated to go forward. You and I cannot fight against the wicked one and stand up against his deceitful schemes unless we are assured that we have peace with God. Make sense? Unless you've confessed your sins and turned from them, trusted Christ as your savior, you do not have peace with God. Now you may ignore God and think all is well, but that does not constitute peace with God. There is still the problem of sin and the wages of sin, which is death. And that has to be taken care of. And it was taken care of on the cross, but you have to believe it. And you have to receive it. And when you do, peace floods over your soul. One of my favorite hymns that we don't sing enough is peace. Taken from Isaiah, peace comes into us like a flood And like a glorious river. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace. Right? Overall victorious in its bright increase. It's perfect. Yet it flows fuller every day. It's perfect yet it grows deeper all the way. And what does the chorus say? Stayed upon Jehovah. That's when hearts are fully blessed. So that's the concept here. You are stabilized on Jehovah and the peace he has purchased through his son on the cross. And that stability brings peace into your soul. And now you are able to fight. The Apostle Paul is dealing with one thing. Standing against the conflicts of the devil. And it's important that the church of Jesus Christ understands that they can never do battle without being convinced and assured of their own personal peace that's how we fight have you ever been left out of a will (laughs) or are you one of those who's wondering what you're going to get from the will Or one of those who say, I grew up in a poor family and I'm not getting nothing. There's no hope of me ever bringing in an inheritance. Oh no, you've been, if you're a believer, you've been left in someone's will. His name is Jesus. And when he died, John 14 verse 27, he says this, I will to you my peace. Peace I give to you. My peace. I give to you I don't give it like the world gives peace which is temporary and shallow at best no my peace is eternal like me and I will it to you so don't let your hearts be troubled talk about an inheritance that's number four on the list of ten but probably should be even higher because that's what people are really searching for inward genuine peace There is the peace for us. Secondly, there is the peace in us. We'll call this, like the scripture does, the peace of God. And those are two different things. Because you can have peace with God, be justified, and not have the peace of God, which has to do with your personal fellowship with Christ. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 says that the peace of God which will transcend all understanding or human comprehension, will guard or garrison your hearts and minds. By the way, that is military language. And when you have the peace of God that protects you and guards you in your heart, the seat of affections and decisions, and in your mind, your intellect, and so the tragic irony is that many who have the peace peace with God do not possess on a regular basis the peace of God and that is very very tragic it's more than tragic it's why the church is so anemic because I talk with so many believers and experience myself those days where I seem to lose the peace of God And when I lose the peace of God, I begin to question whether I have peace with God. And my whole day is centered around self and getting myself reconnected. But if I could start every day rejoicing in the peace of God because I have peace with God and turning every sin into a confession and every prayer into praise... My life would be radically changed. God wants his peace to fill my soul and garrison my mind and guard me from the attacks of the evil one. That's what Paul is talking about when he says put on the armor of God, peace with God and the peace of God. But it doesn't stop there. There is also the gospel working through us to give peace to those around us. So the gospel produces peace for us. The gospel produces peace in us. And it is the gospel that produces peace through us to believers and non-believers alike. Now I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 2. For this is the section that was read a moment ago and gives us great insight into these aspects of the peace of God now working through us. If you are indeed a person dominated by peace with God and peace of God, you've got a gift. (laughs) And you've got to get together with people and let that gift rub off on them. If they are a believer, look at chapter 2, verse 14. For he, Jesus... Is himself our peace. By the way, that just underscores the fact that Jesus is the armor of God. He's the third piece of the armor, the gospel of peace that we put on our feet to give us stability in the fight. He is our peace, and He has made the two one. He has brought the two together in peace. Verse 15. In his flesh he abolished the laws, the commandments, the regulations that condemned us. His purpose was to create in himself one new man and out of the two making peace. So when you get to chapter 4, he says in verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I've created peace among believers. I've made two And that is multiplied by all the different ethnicities from different groups. Not just Jew and Gentile, but all the different peoples. I've made them into one. Now maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. As much as depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. It's amazing how practical the scriptures are. It's going to be impossible for you to be at peace with everyone. But as much as depends on you, don't let you be the one who disturbs the peace. You'll be a peacemaker, not a peace breaker. You're a son of God, a child of God, a daughter of God. Be characterized by the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus himself, and promote peace. But it's not just peace to believers... Look at chapter 2, verse 17. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, you Gentiles, and peace to those of us who were near who weren't yet believers. I want to preach the gospel of peace to unbelievers. And you know where I do that? Right here. (laughs) Sunday morning to those of you who are near. You're like those who are of Israel, but are not Israelites they're not all of Israel who are of Israel they are not all believers who come Sunday morning to a church service God knows your heart I don't but I do know this a lot of people who are close to the gospel many people who are close to the gospel have never truly embraced the gospel and we want to preach peace to those who are outside far off In that day it was the Gentiles. So here's the message of the gospel. And the more securely I am gripped by the gospel of peace, the more enthusiastically and accurately I will communicate the gospel of peace to others. So if you are a depository of God's peace, if it dominates your heart and mind and soul, if you have peace with God and the peace of God, get together with people and let it rub off. If they're believers encourage and share and rejoice in the wonderful peace you have if they're not a believer they may say to you how come you are so tranquil how come you are so content and i hope you say to them well it always hasn't been that way but when i trusted christ i learned what real peace was all about so it's The gospel bringing the peace of God for us, the peace of God in us, and the peace of God through us. And all of that is really seen in the footwear. Maybe more the stability part, but it all affects everything else. So let me ask you this question. How do we make it ours? Well, that passage back in Philippians that talked about let the peace of God rule in your heart and minds... In Philippians 4, 6, the the verse just before that, it said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Prayer leads to the peace of God. It's faith and prayer. That's how you put the armor on. Again, we sing in that great gospel song, put on the gospel armor. Each piece put on with prayer. We are to clothe ourselves with the person of Christ. He's all the armor. I came across this quotation from Jerome. Uh, Jerome uh, being something of a a monk and a priest in the 4th century. Uh, Actually, when you take a trip to Israel and you go down to the city of Bethlehem, The Church of the Nativity has caves in it. And in one of those caves, Jerome worked translating the Bible and writing commentaries. And he's the one who produced the famous Latin Vulgate. And so Jerome, who was working in that area, was writing a commentary on this portion of Scripture in Ephesians 6. And when he came to the portion that we have been studying, the armor of God, he said, from what we read in this passage... And the things said in all the scriptures concerning our Lord, the Lord, our Savior, it, is most cert- it most certainly results that by all the armor of God, the Savior is to be understood. In other words, Jesus is all the armor. We're talking about 350 A.D. And that message has continued to go through the centuries When our hearts are stayed upon Jehovah, when we're filled with the peace of God, then we've got hope. And by the way, that's a title that God likes to take. And may the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, 1 Thessalonians 5. And now may the God of peace make you perfect, Hebrews 13. In these wonderful benedictions, we are citing the title One of the titles that God loves best. I am the God of peace. And I will make you perfect in peace. When you are stayed upon Jehovah. In a book written by Robert McGee entitled The Search of Peace. He said in 1970 there was a rock concert that ended... With the famous rock guitarist Jimi Hendrix smashing his guitar into the amplifiers. And the crowd screamed and applauded. And Jimmy fell onto his knees with his head bowed and stayed in that position as the crowd was frenzied in applause. But finally because Jimmy didn't move the crowd stopped applauding and there was an awkward silence and in the midst of the silence it was finally broken. With this famous guitarist saying. If you know real peace. I want to visit with you backstage. And he got up and walked away. According to the author of this book search for peace. No one responded. To his invitation. And several days later. He died from an overdose. Of drugs. And he's not the only one saying, tell me about your peace or I'm going to implode. We have the peace to keep us fighting and to share the great message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope you are firm, your feet fitted with the gospel of peace that stabilizes you in the love of God let's pray stayed upon Jehovah hearts are fully blessed finding as he promised perfect peace and rest every joy or trial falleth from above traced upon our dial by the son of love we may trust him fully all for us to do and They who trust him wholly find him wholly true. Because when we are stayed upon Jehovah, our hearts are fully blessed, finding as you promised, perfect peace and rest. Lord, take us from this place this morning with those words as our benediction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.